1: Hello and Welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And as always, I am joined by Sean Siegel. Sean, I have a hot cup of coffee here. We had a lot of feedback on last week's show or some of the hot takes that were dished out. And I'm looking forward here to recapping NFL week two. I have on my Packers top, as you can see. And uh, I had made a decision if the Packers didn't win on Sunday night football, I might change out of this top, but feeling pretty good after that. So we're recording this one, 6.30 a.m. my time. Sean, my plan for this show is to watch those first two Slitsy of games, hit bed, get up around 6 a.m. And, and watch Sunday Night Football after we record, but when the Packers are playing the Bears, you have to get up that little bit earlier. So we're doing this on a very empty sleep uh, radar this week, I guess, or sleep monitor, but looking forward to talking the games with you. How are you doing as we move through NFL Week 2?
2: Excellent. Excellent. Football's the best, is not it? And
1: week this two week was, was one pretty of the,
2: damn, pretty damn fun so far. Yeah, one of the most exciting that we've seen. All of these comebacks. You are in your Packers top. I'm proudly wearing a Lions shirt today. But, Colin, it's when the team needs you the most. If they had lost, that's when you need your pack, Packers gear. That's that's not when you. That's true. Away in that's the true. closet. So, but they did look better. They come through. They defeat the Chicago Bears. But that really wasn't. The headline game of this weekend, we had one of the all-time barn burners in Baltimore Ravens versus the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins look uh, just like a team of destiny, right? We can say that already after two weeks. (laughs) Two different wide receivers at the 40-point threshold. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, unstoppable there against the Baltimore Ravens to uh, living up to the hype that those two guys gave him on Tyreek Hill's podcast during the offseason. Colin, I know we've seen similar football games, but have you seen a better regular season game than that? This is one of the most entertaining
1: start-to-finish NFL games I've I've seen. And that's like, we watch these games every single week. There's entertaining games every week. But this was was pretty crazy, and you know the the Baltimore Ravens they obviously put in their part in it, so it finishes 42-38. very very late touchdown in that comeback by two to Waddle. But Lamar Jackson has three hundred and eighteen yards and three touchdowns. He has twenty one <laughs> completions out of twenty nine attempts. Rushes nine times for one hundred and nineteen yards and a touchdown. You know he has an amazing game here. He he must be thinking in that fourth quarter. I'm like every week I'm just like having these great games. I'm playing at the end of my contract. It's it's working out perfectly for me. Rashad Bateman has 108 yards. You know, you touched on Hill and uh, Waddle. Bateman has 108 yards and a touchdown. Mark Andrews is 104 yards and a touchdown. Like this is as good as you can probably play offensively and not win the game. Uh so the Ravens are a little harshly done by here, but waddle looks incredible through those uh opening two weeks i know last week there wasn't a huge amount of work but the explosive nature of the touchdown that he had the acceleration that he shows the burst that he shows as we're watching these games i'm taking some notes as things go along but some of these games this week i've just like added one extra word when things happen because it's just so impressive but his ability to have those yards after the catch is is just phenomenal. It, there's a lot of what's been done then when we see with Tyreek Hill those deep shots we see the deep shots as well to to Waddle but the Dolphins are looking fun they're looking fantastic and what I really like about what they're doing is we see some offenses not really going all in on their team's you know strengths you know kind of trying to hide little elements of of the offense and can become quite mundane to watch but they in this game in particular and I guess we can probably give them a little bit of a pass that they did it in this game because they were 21 points behind i believe in the fourth quarter so they have to really push push all the options out but they had some big plays here before it had got to that situation but my notes here were about waddle and how good he looked you know yards after the catch burst and acceleration i had written then in the the first half bateman be quick then i read lamar be quick <laughs> so uh, these guys are th- this was probably when we look at the skill position players one of the the fastest you know games in terms of attributes of players in NFL history potentially but um, yeah fun game Sean what was some of your takeaways the other note I had written down was that Mostert was kind of leading the the running back opportunities for the Dolphins over Edmonds but that's quite far buried down and obviously there was you know memes going around over the offseason with the Dolphins per social media with the the, the actual throws that they were <laughs> posting up for for Tua but he looked fantastic here today
2: yeah throws 50 passes 32 targets for waddle and hill combined that's playing to your strengths as you mentioned something that's extremely important raheem mostert looked at 11 carries 51 yards he also caught three passes turned that into 28 additional yards against some of these opponents where they're leading and or the run defense is a weakness i would expect mostert as opposing units are going to really have to focus on Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, that he goes off for some big games. The other side, you look and you see, and Lamar Jackson only throws 29 passes. They weren't really able to run out the clock. Kenyon Drake, six carries, only eight yards. Mike Davis, five carries, four yards. I mean, they scored 38 points. And as you mentioned, Lamar Jackson has historically good game. Basically, their defense just has to come through and play a little better in the second half. But the other tiny little part of that is that it's going to make a big difference for them when they get J.K. Dobbins back. He's going to give them that extra bit of electricity. You talk about the speed in this game on display with the Dolphins, with Mostert, but especially with Hill and Jalen Waddle. Hill behind the defense multiple times in this one, which if you're having to cover Jalen Waddle, I mean 19 targets for Waddle. If you're having to address what he's doing more in the intermediate area, very difficult to handle Tyreek Hill, who left this game for a while with cramps. He goes 11 for 190 and two and actually didn't play for a pretty decent chunk. On the other side, the issue that I think we have with the Ravens in the passing game is that Rashad Bateman dominated early and they went away from him a little bit. Now, Mark Andrews, 9, 104, and one. He looked like his 2021 self. I think if you had to bet right now, on who's going to lead the tight end position in scoring. You go right back to Mark Andrews, the player who did it a season ago. Rashad Bateman, he gets that 75-yard touchdown. And a lot of that, obviously, run after the catch. We talked about his blazing speed in the offseason. It's great to see that play out like that, but only seven targets. Again, this wasn't a game in which they passed a ton. Beyond Bateman and Andrews, really nobody else was involved. But you just want to see... Bateman peppered with even more targets. The other game early where you have this extraordinary comeback, the New York Jets rally from a 30-17 deficit late in the game. Score a touchdown more or less on a broken play when Corey Davis gets behind that defense with no one there. Joe Flacco able to make that throw. Flacco 26 for 44, 307 yards for touchdowns. And then they recover the onside kick and go score again. This is a game where, again, I just, if you're Cleveland, kind of like if you're Baltimore, you have to play better on defense with the lead. But Jacoby Brissett, we gave him a lot of trouble last week. He was phenomenal in this game, hitting his guys perfectly in stride. Amari Cooper, another player that we poked fun at, especially me, last week. And he came roaring back in this one, goes. Nine catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. This is the best game that he's had in a long time, right? In Dallas the last couple of years, sort of playing off other players. Here he really led the way. Catches nine out of the ten targets. No one else in that passing game is very involved. Again, sort of as you would expect. And then, I mean, Nick Chubb, 17 carries. Three of those go for touchdowns, 87 yards. Just shredding the Jets' defense, every time Hit
1: us with the line line. sean what is the line nick chubb is the was
2: the best pure rusher in the nfl (laughs) we got it
1: he is incredible he is so smooth that was the notes like just how smooth he makes that look how patient he is it's acceleration then when you know it looks like sometimes i think was the third touchdown that he rushed in it's like takes all the time in the world waits for the defender to come towards him and then just you know accelerates around him quite comfortably he goes in untouched
2: well because Nick Chubb is always thinking to himself if I'm the defender then I'm going to take a bad angle on purpose so I don't have to yeah. hit him. <laughs> which is what they seem like they were doing they're like running around him he seemed to have a force field in this game again you can understand the New York Jets defenders I think we'll, we'll, we'll give
1: some job. uh we'll give some of that there you know credit to Nick Chubb that he's making them look like they do on a tackle
2: It wasn't a great tackling game by the New York (laughs) Jets, but in the end it does not matter because the New York Jets may have the best weapons in all of football. They might have the best weapons in all of football. Kyle, Michael Carter, one of the best number two backs. We'll say that even though in these two games, he's been pretty clearly the lead back. Reese Hall, seven carries, 50 yards. He looks shot out of cannon on some of his plays He's also very smooth as a receiver. It's unfortunate for Carter that he loses the touchdown reception in this game. Carter does catch all five of his targets for 27 yards. Brees Hall only targeted once, but jogs in for the touchdown. One of the things that was a little bit frustrating in this game is that you have Michael Carter, you have Brees Hall. Ty Johnson actually played a lot, got three targets, didn't do anything with them, but he was on the field for a large number of plays where you prefer to have that other explosiveness. But in the end, it did not matter. Garrett Wilson, 14 targets, eight receptions, 102 yards, two touchdowns. He joined a cavalcade of players with just magical wide receiver scoring in week two. As I'm watching the Detroit Lions, one of my three sort of home teams that I claim, just 10% of the league. 10% right. of the team I mean, you, you're in better shape when you claim three out of the 32. All three of them victorious this week. That's, that's always a good week. But you have this game here where DeAndre Swift, just extraordinary, right? He clearly a little bit limited, not limping too often during that game. Uh, at the end of the first half, a few plays where he limps around a little bit. Otherwise... More or less looks all right, but obviously limited. Breaks off a 50-yard run. Has a reception where he falls down. And as the defense converges, he's like, well, I'll just get up and make Russian. like four guys miss and score a touchdown. But the the real story here, though, was Amon Ra. And this game was crazy, Colm, because DJ Chark scores a zero. He actually was behind the defense, had a couple of chances at touchdowns. Jared Goff missed him jerry goff and tj hawkinson and hawkinson one of our guys they were kind of alternating where on one play hawkinson would have a perfectly thrown pass to him and bat it down the next time he would get open (laughs) goff would miss him wildly the next play he would be open and bat it down the next play jerry goff would miss him wildly that's not really what you're wanting to see if you're playing tj hawkinson in your league but the big takeaway was that jerry goff played about like you expect jerry goff to play but one of the reasons that i was encouraging drafters to look at him as a late option this year is that they have so much talent and it's only going to get better when Jamison williams is available i'm on raw completely uncoverable, giving some serious cooper cup vibes in this one Colin, i was trying to figure out why i didn't have more amon Ra on my rosters watching this game and then a little bit later because of the timing of the games and, and the dolphins and uh, just after this lions game i remember oh it's because i was taking jalen waddle in all of those spots where you would have had to pick amon raw st brown so i think if you picked waddle in all your leagues as we did you're pretty happy today if you missed on waddle or just were targeting amon raw st brown you were pretty happy today if you had to pick a little bit after that and you selected Jerry Judy, not so I'm happy today. Sure. Yeah. This, this was a a day of very strong emotions in both directions. The, probably the highest roster players that we have in sort of these big leagues, Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddell, a 40-point game, a 30-point game. Unfortunately, a lot of Wilson's games on the bench, but your bench players you really want them to score so they establish themselves and you can play them later on in the season talk about getting six of the top 15 wide receivers in order to do that you've got to get some of these garrett wilson emerging types of players even if that's his highest score of the entire season which is very very possible he's going to be playable as we go forward that part is great but then we get to the afternoon wave of games and the injuries pretty devastating have a lot of trey lance teams i do feel very strongly even though we didn't really get a chance to see any of it this year with last week's rain game and then him being injured so early in this one now it's going to be year three for him before we get any chance to see him and then unfortunately jerry judy also going down the teams that have both of those guys are not looking great for a win in week two how did you experience kind of these two conflicting sets of games and emotions as you were going through with your teams I felt um, you know we talked about
1: like it was a fun day it was really a weird day in general like we for me when I wake up one of the advantages here <laughs> having the time differences when those late night kind of news dumps from Adam Schefter in Rappaport come out whatever time that'll be maybe 2 a.m uh, Eastern Time. When I'm getting those, Sean, it's usually like you know seven a.m. my time. So I wake up and you get those news. But the news came in off the Julio injury. There was a lot of talk then with Dobbins. There was a lot of the inactive conversation. Kamara. So there was a lot of inactives to start today. And being week two, probably surprising the amount of inactives that there actually was. Then it was a Sunday of comebacks, particularly the games that you mentioned. You know, the the Lions game was fantastic against the Commanders, and then we obviously had the the Ravens and the Ravens and the uh, Dolphins. But I was coming off such a high watching those games you know and then we get into a really rapid short section of time where we get the Trey lance injury and then we get the jerry judy injury and lance's one was one of those ones you know sometimes when you're watching a game and something happens and you're like well that doesn't look right but it wasn't mentioned in commentary goes away for a minute comes back and then he's been carted off and from the moment that happened it didn't really look right with the way he was on the ground but the weird thing about the lance one is that he doesn't realize himself at the injury tries to get up then realizes the situation that they're in but we do see that kind of uh innocuous tackle i guess that it, it rarely leads to the outcome that it did here and once it happens although he is on our fantasy teams and unfortunately if you're you're not using twitter sean which is obviously a benefit in these situations you know people talking about their fantasy teams at that point we don't really care you know in terms of somebody is after having a a severe injury the, the goal is the the player's health we we play this game when they play the sport we have to also respect that they're taking huge risks in these situ- situations for example even Jameis Winston playing with the cracked bones in his, his back yesterday you know some of the stuff that these guys put themselves through is is really uh I was going to say I don't know if I should say the word incredible or ridiculous one of the one of the two words but the the leg break is obviously shown very very disappointing for I guess the NFL for the 49ers fans mainly for Trey Lance himself. And then obviously at the very end of that list for people who have them on their fantasy football rosters, but the Jerry Judy injury then happening after just it felt like we were into a kind of a, a groundhog day of, of injuries starting to pile up after such an exciting early afternoon set of games. So disappointment is, is obviously the main thing, but it is kind of, you know, our emotions of a fantasy football team is, uh, <laughs> is very limited versus the actual emotions of what's going on with Trey Lance, for example.
2: Yeah, as you mentioned, these are real people, and it's a pretty devastating blow for Lance and company. Jimmy Garoppolo comes in, leads them to a fairly easy victory. Doesn't look particularly good. The Seahawks, one of at least three teams, I believe, who don't score an offensive touchdown. The Seahawks do get the blocked field goal score the Colts the Texans also don't score the Seahawks look bad and very very bad that part is is pretty disappointing we know that the 49ers have a good defense the odd thing about the Seahawks and to an extent a team like the Denver Broncos and the Broncos now, they escaped this game against the Texans, but the Broncos have now played the Seahawks and the Texans, probably almost certainly two of the five worst teams in football. And they're one and one I mean, there was, a, terrible. <laughs> there was a path to them being 0-2. The Seahawks are completely and totally rudderless. They need new coaching, probably a new front office. If they did do something well, it was to get out from under – russell wilson now i mean he's going to develop the broncos are going to be better but for a team that was believed to be a super bowl contender the denver broncos have been astonishingly bad and russell wilson has been astonishingly bad in both of these situations and again you end up looking at some of these teams and the way they're deploying players a little bit through the lens of both your own fantasy teams and what you wanted to have happen for the season. But for the Broncos and the Seahawks to not move the ball at all and to have weapons like Albert O and Noah Fant and more or less opt to not use them and instead go with all of these bizarre formations where they're trying to play a bunch of different tight ends. That part for me is hard to understand because the way that you win and the way that we saw the the Dolphins come back and win today is to play through your best players. And I know that some listeners are going to say, well, I mean, obviously the evaluation here, the internal evaluation is that Albert O and Noah Fant are not that level, but Fant drafted very, very early in the reality draft, played well through his first several years. A big reason that the Seahawks did that trade and that the trade was favorable for them And yet they opt to not really use him today. Again, you go and look at the the stealing signals tool and you look at what Albert O did on a per route basis last year. You pull up the NFL workout explorer and you look and see just how ridiculously athletic he is for a team like the Broncos, who now has just been devastated by injuries. Right? We go into the season and we think, okay, well, this team is going to not have enough balls to go around because they have Tim Patrick and they have Jerry Judy and they have KJ Hamler to go with Cortland Sutton. And then at tight end, they've got Albert O and they've got Greg Dulcich. Well, suddenly they don't have Patrick and they don't have Hamler and they don't have Judy and they don't have Dulcich. As a result of that, even in an absolutely disgusting game today, Cortland Sutton is able to score a decent number of fantasy points. He didn't kill you like some other players did if you had him in there, but Probably still a disappointment within that context. And then again, for these guys to not use their star players. Now, the cool development, I think, for the Seahawks is that you had Tyler Lockett, who now may be a value. This was a little bit of a veteran bounce back day today. We got the touchdown for Allen Robinson. He still was more or less uninvolved. It would have been a day where he only had a handful of targets and all of those targets underneath and yet scored two touchdowns if not for his second touchdown play being stopped by officials for a medical timeout when he was not covered by the Falcons on that play. But Tyler Lockett bounces back. He dominates the targets in this game, gets 11 of them, catches nine for 107. One of the things I was kind of messaging with you about before the game is should we go ahead and bench DK Metcalf in favor of Devonte smith even though smith put up a goose egg last week i wish that we had done that i also wish that we had drafted dk metcalf the thing that's been bizarre here is that Genos has actually looked fine not awesome but fine he was 24 for 30 today but you look at their play calling you look at this situation here where rashad penny and kenneth walker combined for 10 carries and 25 yards and yet travis homer on the field constantly Again, this is the team that just has no idea what they want to do on offense.
1: The only thing, I drafted a lot of DK Metcalf and I still think the Metcalf play can work out. I think we're going to see from week to week a change between Metcalf and, and Lockett. You mentioned Gino. I think Gino's looked okay, but part of it has been the the play calling as well. Like He has, goes 24 for 30 today, but it's only 197 yards and in one interception. They did have a play called back where I believe it was over 50 yards where it did go to DK Metcalf which was called back then on a penalty so things start to look a little bit different if that's complete it's not a a
2: sensational catch amazing catch amazing
1: play so that play that he makes is a you know a contested catch and I think that in this season I think the Seahawks should realize that for them to win games they're going to have to have contested catches we talked about the Dolphins putting their players their best players into positions to try and win the game you know I think that's what the Seahawks have to do. And those sort of things have to happen where it goes to DK Metcalf and those situations where it's a contested catch rather than you know having twenty-four passes that go completed for 197 yards. You need to start to move the ball a little bit downfield and and try they're going to need those chunk plays to, to give themselves chances to win. So I'm still positive not positive, but I, I still think the DK Metcalf thing can, can work out here. You mentioned the second touchdown of Allen Robinson's been called back. Cortland Sutton also had a, a very close call for a touchdown in that game for the Broncos, where one of his toes were just on the white, which was also called back in that one. But you mentioned, I guess, we'll give Russell Wilson maybe one more week with the, the injuries and the players that he's missing. But the Broncos have looked really bad. The other thing in that were first home game of the season, usually you see, you know, if there's a new signing or a new player comes in, the the you know, the the crowd, the supporter willing to give them that time. In the first half of this game, the the Broncos fans were not enjoying this. They were raining booze down every incomplete pass, every time it got to fourth down. So it could turn quite sour there, very very swiftly. In Denver, with the Russell Wilson situation, obviously they've tied him up to that long contract. And you know sometimes when these contract situations happen, when players move, we look at them and we think one side has won or the other side has won this deal. And it's gonna be interesting to see how the how how Russell Wilson bears out here in Denver with that contract as well Sean some quick notes to run through and I guess before we get into the quick notes we were mentioning some tight ends there you mentioned Fanton and Albert O Kyle Pitts unfortunately for us failed to have a performance you know a notable it is notable but for the wrong reasons I guess in terms of points scored from a fantasy football perspective this was a game where the Falcons put a little bit of a fight into it late did put up points in the game script this week that we were kind of thinking that they would be in more often where they would have to come from behind to try and score points but in this situation those points didn't go the way of Kyle Pitts on the other hand Drake London looking really really good again here for the the Atlanta Falcons another another rookie performance to to recognize
2: yeah Drake London has been amazing and that's really exciting we have either Pitts or London on basically every team and a few teams with both and so to have london blowing up here i think this is going to help pitts long term one of the concerns today i tried a little bit with ben about this going in was that the rams might decide to take pitts away and then you're looking at two really slow games to start the season you have a lot of questions about whether or not he's going to be able to live up to expectations i guess i'm not worried yet now say not worried yet if you have pitts as a foundation player on your team and your 0 and two, then you're already getting into that territory to where his overall scoring for the season matters to you less than what he can do for you in the short term. You need to win some games. And so from that perspective, this has been extremely frustrating. The other thing that was frustrating is that Marcus Mariota again played well and yet made some key mistakes. This is a game where it looked like the, the Falcons were going to be just like the Dolphins, just like the New York Jets, and come from way behind at one point trailing 28-3. to They have the ball down there in the red zone with the potential to win the game on their final possession. Instead, they run a little bit of an option play, get tackled for a loss, and then Mariota is contacted as he's trying to get the ball to bryant edwards edwards who i mean maybe should be cut from this team i mean edwards is not an nfl player he makes no play on the ball jalen ramsey rises up almost appears to be flying it was just a beautiful physical athletic play goes up and picks that ball off probably not where Mariota meant to throw it again because he was hit as he released it the ball traveled a little bit further but It's hard to understand why Edwards would have been the target, again being covered by Jalen Ramsey on that play. When you have Drake London, when you have Kyle Pitts, a lot of the routes that Pitts ran, and a lot of the route concepts that he was asked to run today were pretty non-competitive, right? I mean, there was no way that he was going to be the target on a lot of these plays. London, he was almost a he was almost a decoy on a lot of those plays, right? And and that's absurd. Pitts has got to be in there. They ran a key fourth down play early in the game that he is not on the field for. If you're going to go on fourth in 2-3 that type of a play at midfield The Falcons have been very frustrating through two weeks. They could very easily be 2 and 0 instead 0 and 2 They're running too much on first down. They're running too much on third down. They're running too many of these plays where they have a ton of running backs in the backfield. Take advantage of Marcus Mariota's scrambling ability on passing plays. Get him out on the edge. There's no need to be running all of these option types of plays, these 1970s college football types of plays. When you have Drake London, you have Kyle Pitts. The flip side of that, you're trying to beat people with Cordero Patterson, Tyler Algier, and Marcus Mariota running the football. I and mean, that's how you get to 0 2, right? So that part of it drives you absolutely crazy. Kyle Pitts with Drake London emerging immediately as a star. Yeah, there's a potential problem here because Drake London gets open at will on almost every play. And if he is that much better than Pitts right off the bat, then Pitts drops down to number two in the target pecking order, maybe number two by a clear margin. And then you lose a lot of the ceiling that you had when it looks like he's got a thousand yard season almost in the bank. Again, if you stay healthy for everybody, the caveat is you've got to stay healthy. We saw a lot of players injured today. If Drake London gets open that easily, then maybe a thousand yard season is not a lock. Right, Maybe a, a 13, 1,400-yard season, which was very much in the range of outcomes, becomes harder to get to. It's going to also be a problem just that the Falcons are this conservative. You mentioned the game script, and some of it is that the Rams are good. They ran the ball 25 times with Darrell Henderson and Cam Akers, even though both of those players were pretty inefficient as runners. Matthew Stafford throws 10 more passes than Mariota does. But you don't want to be in a game script where you're down 28-3 to and Marcus Mariota only throws 26 total passes. The fact that they were able to get back in this game, despite not showing any urgency at any point, is both a testament to some of the things that the defense did. They had the amazing strip of Cooper Cup late in the game. And how efficient the Falcons were specifically when they were throwing to Drake London. That part of the offense was fantastic. Everything else was absolutely disgusting today. So there's been a lot of talk about the Falcons wanting to get Desmond Ritter involved. I think that Mariota has looked great through two games. And yet when you're 0-2 and despite playing so well overall, have made some key mistakes that cost your team both games. I mean, this could be a situation too where we get the rookie quarterback earlier than we want we have mariota in some fantasy situations where we would like him to keep playing it also doesn't seem great for drake london and kyle pitts two players we really want to score points if they go to the rookie but maybe it'll end up being better maybe they'll run fewer of these absurd heavy running back option formations and we'll play it a little bit more straight up now ritter can do some of those things as well but Maybe if they go to him, we get more of a, an airing it out. We get the Drake London show, we get the Kyle Pitts show. I'm excited about watching the, the Atlanta Falcons. They're a lot of fun, despite all of the objections I have to the way they're calling plays.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: The next game, Sean, there's two games here I want to touch on. The first one is the cardinals they do it it's a Sunday of comebacks I guess and, and they get a two-point conversion to take the game to overtime 29 is 23 against the Raiders some notable talking points coming out of this one is I was concerned about the cardinals early in this game but they, as I mentioned they do make the comeback Eno Benjamin and Darrell Williams out carry James Conner in this we have uh, Darrell Williams eight carries 59 and a touchdown Eno Benjamin eight for 31 no touchdown for him then we have also, Eno Benjamin, 3 for 20 in the passing game. James Conner, 2 for 26. Greg Dort seems to be becoming a thing. 4 for 55 and a touchdown from him. Zach Ertz, who I was completely out on this this offseason, has had a solid start through two weeks. He went 8 for 75 in this game. He led the way in general. But the talking point then on the Raider side, Sean, is the Devontae Adams does get a touchdown quite early in this one, but 2 for 12 and a, a score from him. Derek Carr looked pretty good early, but this was just kind of a case where... As the game went on, the the performances of both sides just kind of flipped and the Raiders, who looked pretty good early, then looked pretty bad and the Cardinals, vice versa. What was your thoughts on the, the Cardinals and the Raiders?
2: Yeah, this game was stunning because through the first six quarters and arguably a little bit longer of the 2022 season, the Arizona Cardinals looked like they might be competing with teams like the Texans and the Indianapolis Colts and the Carolina Panthers to be the worst team in football. And then everything changes. And suddenly all of the questions people have had about Josh McDaniels, all the questions people have had about Derek Carr come roaring to the forefront as... I mean, the Raiders just imploded. There's no excuse to be in a situation where you're outscored 23-3 to in the second half. You lose the game in overtime. Mack Hollins gets eight targets. Devontae Adams only gets seven. Now, Mack Hollins actually played pretty well. He goes five for 66. He leads the Raiders in receiving. Hunter Renfro leads them in targets, goes seven for 59. Does fumble twice, including the one that's lost to lose the game at the end one of the i mean this was a weird game all the way through you have byron murphy recover that final fumble and return it for a touchdown it was very touch and go yeah another situation where an nfl player seems to not care that much about where the end zone actually was they they went through they reviewed this play and there was a lot of discussion about like the recovery of the fumble point and i think you know, again, I'm not on Twitter, but I have to assume that there and then everybody who's kind of watching the game and chatting with their family, they're just like, there's no question about any of the recovery elements. The question is if he just like randomly threw the ball into the stands before he crossed the goal line. And so the call stood, but it was awfully close. So the Cardinals do win on that play. The key takeaway last week that was so great for, Fantasy managers who have a Hunter Renfrew, who have a Darren Waller. And Waller, a nice game here. I mean, there's it's not outside the realm of possibility by any stretch that Waller finishes the season ahead of Travis Kelsey, ahead of Kyle Pitts. He goes 650 and one in this game. Looked good, could have done even a little bit more. But week one, very concentrated. The targets to run for Waller and Adams in this game. You have a little bit more of a split. You have Matt Collins with those eight targets. Not really what you want to see, even though he is a physical presence out there. Josh Jacobs carries 19 times for 69 yards. You've got to be more effective running the football than that, right? Samir right? one carry for two yards. They combine for 20 carries, 71 rushing yards, especially against a defense like the Arizona Cardinals that is probably below average. You just have to be a lot more efficient with your plays and your play calling. And so that does give the Cardinals the chance to come back. You mentioned the running back situation there. James Connor appears to have gotten injured. It doesn't seem like it's necessarily the type of injury that will keep him out for the long term, but that really opens the door now for this to be a two or three way committee. I think the most frustrating play in this game was the Marquise Brown touchdown Marquise Brown, really not involved for a huge chunk of this game, but does make a circus catch, scores a touchdown, and then listeners who are either biased either way or don't care. But anyone who saw this play and doesn't think that it should be overturned, you can let us know. Or basically, I was going to say, I never saw any kind of angle that would indicate that he was definitely down outside the end zone. It was close. And again, this was one where as soon as they started reviewing it and they were talking about, did he maintain possession? That wasn't the question. The question was, did he get down at the one inch line? Uh, this play didn't go the way I was hoping. And then we didn't get the backup that we were hoping to go in on the next play. You know, Benjamin, despite this being a very good game for Darrell Williams, averages over seven yards per carry, Eno, you know, much more explosive here. Hopefully he's the guy there was a 30 yard carry for Williams that helped him bolster those numbers in addition to his one yard score. So he goes in and scores that, but Kyler Murray still ends up with a big game, 277 yards passing the one touchdown, but also a rushing touchdown, a rushing two point conversion. It was when he started using his legs that the Cardinals were able to rally. I guess I wouldn't be that concerned about Zach Ertz if you don't have him. It was one of the most benign eight for 75. I still think the rookie tight end has to get involved there. Ertz looked completely and totally finished a.j green catches the key two-point conversion that was a nice play to send the game to overtime but he also had uh some of those plays that he had last season where he was thrown to for easy touchdowns didn't catch them and then seemed last year he seemed offended that he was targeted today he (laughs) seemed more surprised that he was out there on an nfl field it just once they have DeAndre Hopkins, once they have Rondell Moore, once they have Trey McBride, this team will be very exciting. Until that point, Kyler Murray's going to have to run around a lot because they are near the bottom of the barrel in the NFL right now in terms of skill position talent.
1: You mentioned uh, you know, the situation with you know getting stopped at the one-yard line and then losing out in that rushing touchdown as somebody else comes in that had been the situation for DeAndre Swift last week and it felt like uh, and I know we're going back to that game but felt like he deserved that little bit of luck where he got back up and made the move for his touchdown today because he has another big run today and then you're like doesn't make it to the end zone and then you (laughs) Jamal Williams comes in Jamal Williams ran pretty well today but yeah I just wanted to mention that we've seen that a few times the next game that we almost seen it with but The Cowboys went back to Tony Pollard in that situation. He has a big run, gets, you know, looks at, ruled a touchdown, then it gets overturned, then he rushes in from the one-yard line. Felt like that was somewhere where they might have slotted Ezekiel Elliott in. But Sean, a couple of questions coming out of the Dallas Cowboys versus the Bengals. So we obviously have the injury to Dak Prescott. Cooper Rush comes in, kind of manages the game, game manager situation. Ezekiel Elliott has 53 yards on 15 carries. We have Tony Pollard nine carries for him but 43 yards and a touchdown and then in the passing game he has four for 55 Elliot just the one for negative four yards but the questions I guess for the offense is can Cooper Rush sustain C.D. Lamb who is seven for 75 in this we have Noah Brown who has a pretty big day five for 91 and a touchdown for him and then the Bengals side this just looks so disjointed it looks like there's a little bit of a super bowl hangover i guess kicking in i know they didn't win it but they they lose obviously and the emotional aspect i guess of that so they are 0-2 to start the season burrow 199 yards and a touchdown in this one joe mixon kind of has a, a joe mixon style afternoon t higgins back from the concussion not, uh, six for 71 and a touchdown and he did mispractice earlier this week it was related to his the passing of his father i believe so sad situation there then he had the concussion last week and we have Jamar Chase 5 for 54. So we will see Chase and Higgins alternating who probably gets in the end zone. We're going to see big weeks from both of them, some weeks not so big weeks, I guess, from one of them other weeks. But we're usually going to see that you know, funneled through those two guys. But the Bengals just didn't look right, and then the Cowboys looked more right than I was expecting them to look. What was your key takeaways from the, the Cowboys and the Bengals here in week two?
2: Yeah, I think uh, on the Bengals side, especially if you're looking at it, from a fantasy perspective with Joe Burrow, you like to see him scramble for 26 yards. He looks so much healthier than he did last season. If he adds some scrambling value, that's going to be great, especially since, I mean, he's just under siege. And so with six more sacks today, if he can add a little bit of a scrambling element. Now, the other thing today, again, no blocking The defense just swarming through and yet he didn't seem to demonstrate a good feel for the pass rush. He wasn't getting the ball away quickly. This was one where you'd like to think that he has enough safety valves and Hayden Hurst seven targets in this one. That's probably too many. He catches five passes for 24 yards. Joe Mixon, four more targets today. The running backs not as heavily targeted, but. Tyler Boyd, only two targets. He catches both of them for 17 yards. He just has to be a much bigger part of this, especially if they can't block. They have to have some type of a play-calling attack where he's the underneath threat, the possession receiver who moves the chains for them. That, I think, has been the strangest thing for me over the last year and now two games is that there have been so few games even and especially when you consider what they've dealt with from a pass rush perspective, where they've had all three receivers involved. You would like to think that that part of it gives them a way to beat the pass rush, to have a pre-snap read that is clear to Burrow that he's going to have a certain element. One of the things that Jamar Chase was really pushing early last season was we've got to attack deep more often. The fact that We're getting this rush, but we're trying to counter it with all of these Joe Mixon runs. And I mean, 19 more carries a day for 57 yards. Basically, all that is is capitulating, right? You've got to have some kind of a passing attack where when you have those three-star receivers that you can beat whatever the defense is throwing at you, that just simply hasn't been the case really at all. And even as they go to the Super Bowl, it hasn't been the case. So that part, I think, still very frustrating when you have someone who had as good a third year and fourth year in the NFL as Tyler Boyd to have a game like this where he has the two targets. It's simply unacceptable, right? Now we do get 19 targets combined for T Higgins and Jamar Chase. Higgins does bounce back with the good game. That part, as you mentioned, really cool to see. He was a bit of a physical presence out there. And yet, even with those two guys getting 19 targets they didn't do nearly as much with them as you would like. I mean, if those guys get 19 targets, you're hoping that they combine for more than 125 yards, more than one touchdown. This is a demoralizing loss, right? The Bengals are now two games behind the Kansas City Chiefs for that number one seed. They're likely to be two games behind the Buffalo Bills by the time the week is completely finished. They have all of these questions that they have to answer. This is a game that I think is pretty shocking. Because as you mentioned, Dallas Cowboys looked like one of the worst teams in football last week. Now they have to go to a backup QB. I guess I wouldn't even call it a game manager situation exactly because Cooper Rush was aggressive. He made a lot of throws. He got Noah Brown involved in a big way. Only five targets, but catches all five of them for 91 yards and a touchdown. He was more effective getting the ball to CD lamb than what we saw last week. And even if it's just CeeDee Lamb and Tony Pollard, that does give you some weaponry to go forward here. Dave Cabin in his projections reflected a lot what ADP reflected, which is that those two guys are be close. Dave had them with almost identical scores for the year. We have this game here where Tony Pollard, not only does he score quite a few more fantasy points, But there's no question who the better player is. I think that we're witnessing the beginning of the end. We're witnessing that Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Todd Gurley collapse from Ezekiel Elliott.
1: It certainly felt that way, but uh, interesting to see how the the team performed. And it'll be interesting to see now with the usage with Elliott and Pollard moving forward. I don't think it's just going to be moving into the, the Pollard zone full time yet, but... He is uh, just so much more explosive that should be used in this offense a little bit more. Sean, we are getting close to the end of this. Any key notes that we didn't hit on that you want to add in? The one note I guess we touched on the Packers game at the start, we won't dive into it too much, but we've kind of had fun as well as Sammy Watkins this off season He looked pretty okay in this game. Alan Lazard was back from his injury, You know, looked solid, had a touchdown. I, I thought that the running backs looked very good, but I thought Aaron Jones looked, Fantastic in this game. He was really, really impressive. I felt overall looks really explosive. Maybe having less overall workload might actually help keep him fresher throughout the season. But both of those guys is a a one-two points look fantastic. Any other notes from around the NFL that you want to add in? Well, the the New York
2: Giants have gotten to 2-0. They have played two of the weaker teams at this point, but You love what they did today in a game where Daniel Jones was awful and Saquon Barkley was swarmed under. To have a game like that and to still come out ahead, that's really cool for them. Again, Brian Dable seems to have completely changed the culture. On the other hand, the Carolina Panthers are, are awful. And there was a report I think that came out this morning before the games that Carolina might be looking to go with Baker Mayfield again in 2023. And, and even not having seen the second game yet, you're thinking to yourself, go with him again in 2023. How do the I mean, how does this report come out? How do the people who was would be, the
1: source of this report, Baker Mayfield? No.
2: Well, I'm just it's like Baker.
1: whoever the reporter Baker is
2: talking to. I mean, no one currently involved with the Carolina Panthers is going to be involved in that decision, right? I mean, Except for Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Baker Mayfield's not going to be at Everyone on this coaching staff is getting fired. This is going to be the team that is fired first, or the, the team where the first firings come from this season. Baker Mayfield, 14 for 29 today, and repeatedly throwing the ball into the outstretched arms of the defensive line. You did get, 102 rushing yards from Christian McCaffrey. That part was cool to see, but he only gets five targets again today. You can't lose your first two games and have Christian McCaffrey basically uninvolved in the passing game, only the six targets for DJ Moore. He had the one drive where he leads them down the field, dominates the defense, gets the touchdown, saves his fantasy day, but otherwise not involved at all.
1: He got a touchdown, but it's still very concerning.
2: Yeah, because Baker Mayfield should not be starting for any NFL team. He <laughs> the, the, the gap between him and, say, Jacoby Brissett today was absolutely gigantic. It's very easy to understand why the Cleveland Browns would have – like no, I mean, regardless of what happens, Mayfield's not going to be our quarterback. We're just fine going out there with Jacoby Brissett. If you're a Panthers fan or you have some of these Panthers on your fantasy team – I mean,
1: you're in the darkest timeline. The, dark, the darkest, time. Sorry, to anyone out there uh, who is a Panthers fan, maybe perhaps as well. But also, yeah, we like you know we have DJ Moore, we have Christian McCaffrey, but very, very concerning with how things have started out here. Baker Mayfield looks bad. We didn't touch on it, but Matt Ryan looks really bad. Uh, we'll talk about that later in the week. Sean and Ben might even get to that before us on Stadium Bananas, but. Just a lot of concerns. The other note I had here was uh, Daniel Bellinger getting in for a, a touchdown on a pretty nice play. So the rookie tight end, who we talked a little bit about, adding to the end of those best ball rosters, um, makes a big play there. Deontay Johnson, he's in a bit of a, a dodgy timeline as well, Sean. He's having to make ridiculous catch after ridiculous catch to add to his fantasy stats. He's playing really well, but he's having to work really hard to get those. He looks, the, he looks great. Yeah, um, but he's, his quarterback doesn't look great.
2: Yeah, no, the it, it doesn't look good. There, there's there. a
1: couple of teams, oh. and it's Like it's only two weeks in, and we could be wrong on this, but the Steelers' quarterback situation is not good. The Colts' situation, they probably don't have a huge amount of options what they're going to do. The Washington Commanders and Carson Wentz does not look good. And then you mentioned Baker Mayfield. There's, there's a couple of teams around the NFL where the quarterback situation is... Not looking good and they probably should change that sooner rather than later
2: Carson Wentz 46 passes a day 337 yards Carson Wentz is going to be your 2022 garbage time king
1: are you saying he's the 2022 Blake Bartles is that what he is I, <laughs> is, is Jahan Dodson the the old school Allen Robinson for garbage time is that what we're saying here I
2: mean Jahan Dodson
1: he gets in the end again
2: special he was our pick to lead the commanders in receiving he actually doesn't today both Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin go for 78 and 75 yards respectively Dotson only 59 those two guys get 17 targets he only gets five but he looks fantastic he's going to be the guy who emerges there one of the interesting developments I think early in the 2022 fantasy season and we have a ways to go but already with some of the hybrid QBs Getting hurt, and with the Chicago Bears tonight being extremely disappointing, Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet completely wiped out of that game. Again, you've been saying all along that the Green Bay Packers have one of the best defenses in the NFL. I don't know that I would go that far, but it wasn't a shock that the game transpired the way that it did. If you're starting Justin Fields, as I am in some leagues, for him to, and very clearly in his play, we mentioned the one on Marquise Brown. I think the Browns should not have been overturned but again if you saw a better angle let us know because we don't want to be giving false information here on the show justin Fields very clearly down he was ruled as having scored the second rushing touchdown he was not in he then gets to the one inch line on fourth and goal that one it'll probably 50 50 as to whether or not he scored but i don't think they could overturn it based on the video evidence that they had If you have Justin Fields, you need him to get in on that. The contrast, though, early on has been that some of these more or less pass-only QBs. Now, Carson Wentz does get 23 rushing yards today. But some of these pass-only QBs who were very inexpensive, like Tua, like Goff, like Wentz, the weapons that they have at their disposal... Right now we're very much offsetting the lack of some of this rushing ability and just the fact that maybe they're not particularly good reality players. One of the things we saw today from Tua was that he was extraordinary, throws the six touchdowns, and yet at the same time made some pretty bad reality plays too. So we have to be kind of aware of both things there. Carson Wentz, the same thing. Some (laughs) excruciating plays and... The commander's down 22-0 to at halftime with barely getting a first down. They do come roaring back. They score a lot of points in the second half. This game was close at one point. And then you look at Jared Goff, and we talked about how even with fireworks from Amon Ross, St. Brown, Goff missed an absolute ton of throws. The upside for Goff to be a consistent, and let's say consistent, we don't mean every game, but just that Every game out there, he has a shot at performances like this where he has four passing touchdowns. I think this Detroit offense is just going to get better. Right now, DeAndre Swift, not 100%. TJ Hawkinson playing well below his level. DJ Chark not scoring today. Jamison Williams coming later. Got somebody that you can look at. And if you had QB injuries today or QB disappointments, He's someone who will be on the waiver wire on a lot of leagues. The Detroit Lions are for real. They could have very easily won last week. Colin, we're recording this on Sunday night slash Monday morning. The Eagles play tomorrow. Again, slash today. (laughs) We don't know what they will do in that game, but I wouldn't be surprised if halfway through the season we look back on the lions close loss to them in week one and say as opposed to that being a red flag for detroit that was actually a very good sign and that the lions are an above average team the philadelphia eagles may be the best team in the nfc
1: so we'll see how all that plays out sean that is going to get us to the end of our week two recap show here recorded immediately after the sunday night football game to get all our instant reactions to it really enjoying doing these hopefully you're enjoying listening and if you are enjoying listening in hit that subscribe button Make sure you are following all of the Road of His Overtime content. We have three shows coming your way each and every week of the NFL season. The recap show that will come out on Monday morning early. Then we'll have a Wednesday and a Friday episode. Sean also has Stealing Bananas with Ben Gretsch. They have three shows a week coming your way too. But a little later in the week, if you're interested, I will pin a tweet in today's description that will show you kind of the upcoming schedule throughout the NFL season for Road of His Overtime and Stealing Bananas. If you are looking to sign up to Rotoviz.com, get yourself access to all of our tools and content. While signing up, if you use the code RVRADIO2022 at checkout, you will save yourself 10% on an NFL pass over at rotavis.com. I would highly recommend doing so. Once again, that code is rbradio 2022 My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at to and I'm always joined by Sean Siegel. Sean, it's been fun doing this recap show. We'll start our kind of look ahead on Wednesday to the week three action. But until we are back with another episode, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotovis Radio. Please rate and review the Rotovis Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovisradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotovis Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotovis with a discount through the Road of Radio homepage, rotovis.com forward slash podcast.